using the subject, what is the resurrection? What is the resurrection? George, no, yes, George Banner Research Group did a research in the United States recently in which 42% of Americans say that they believe that so-called Easter holiday has a religious meaning. And by the way, if you've come here for any period of time, you understand that we really don't use the term Easter because Easter really is a pagan holiday. It's a pagan name. But I won't get into all of that now, and we will not split ears with you if Easter is your comfortable way of saying it, go ahead. Have at it. No bones broken. But if you research it, you understand that the term Easter is actually out of a pagan celebration. So we choose to call it Resurrection Sunday or Passover weekend. But wherever you are, that's fine. Don't break bones over that. I'm just, I'm just talking. So Judge Banner did a research and a poll of Americans, and 42% said they believe that Easter, as it is called, has a religious, a religious, a religion, a religious uh, 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 undertone or basis for it. Interestingly, only 2% of Americans believe that Easter can be described as the most important holiday of their faith. Think about what I just said. Because who knows, maybe Judge Banner spoke to you as well. 2% say that they believe that this resurrection season is the most important holiday of their faith. If I was to ask us and take a poll here this morning, which one of these holidays do we esteem higher than the, than the other? Christmas or resurrection? Majority of us in this room will choose Christmas. Why? Unfortunately, because we are ignorant. Allow me to say that. Strong word, but I want to wake you up. And I really do not have the time to go into all the details, but if you go and research it, you find out that in the first 300 years of the church, there was no such thing as Christmas celebration. Those people who were there at Jesus' birth, who were there in his ministry in the earth, who were there when he went to the grave and was resurrected, for 300 years thereafter, never paid any attention to Christmas. The idea of Christmas, again, 
thanks to the Roman pagan contribution to the, to the kingdom of God. Came out of the Catholic Church. And again, has its roots in paganism. Now, I am not advocating for an annulment of your Christmas celebration. Have at it. So don't leave here saying, Pastor says don't celebrate Christmas. I never said that. I'm just trying to help you understand why today is today. For unto us, a child was born. Unto us, a son is given. And their government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I just want you to know that the birth of Jesus Christ, as important as it is, and it will remain important, the birth was not, is not the cornerstone of your faith. It's important you understand that. And when we have a full and full understanding and revelation of what we are celebrating, you know that really you need to reverse the order. Resurrection weekend should be everything to a believer. Because your faith does not hinge on his birth as good as that was but your, faith, but your faith hinges upon his resurrection. So the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the hinge upon which your salvation swings open. Huge. This is this thick distinction. Muhammad was born. Buddha was born. They all had birthdays. The distinction is they died and never got up. That's right. That's the huge difference. Witch doctors in your hometown, wizards in your hometown, herbalists that your father and his grandfather used to see, they all died. Where is the oracles today? Where is the oracles? You guys are looking at me very, very funny. You guys don't know what a witch doctor is or a wizard. <laughs> First Corinthians 15. The early church placed stronger emphasis on a death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 15, moreover, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, immediately in the first three 
verses. No, first four verses. Paul seeks to establish for us what can be considered as the three essentials of our salvation. Three essential things. Number one is death. Number two is burial. Number three, he rose again from the dead. And you cannot have salvation except all three are in place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All three must be in place for, her, for us to have redemption. In and through his death, he paid the price in full once and for all for our salvation. But if a man dies, that death is not final until they are buried. The burial is proof positive that they died. This is the reason this dilemma with Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 is such a, 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 an agonizing one. To think that you have a loved one that may be lost, but there's no burial. The burial is the proof positive that someone died and they've received the last rites. So if Jesus was not buried, we cannot be guaranteed that he actually died. So his death was number one, essential thing. His burial was number two, essential thing. But very importantly, when he died, he made a payment for our sins. But the receipt of that payment that's made for us is for him to get out of the tomb. Hallelujah. By stepping out of that tomb, it became a receipt. Oh my God. If you went and paid Georgia Power and you have no receipt, or if you went and paid your IRS and you have no receipt, or if you went and paid your taxes and you have no receipt, they can come back and say you never made a payment. But when you produce your receipt, this is the receipt of my payment. It satisfies all claims and all disputes that the payment was made. And I have in my possession the proof that the payment has been made. So his death was the payment for our sins. But his resurrection was the receipt to the demons of hell for them to know this, this is not just mere talk. This is not just mere play. I not only paid the debt, but I have the receipt of the payment. Leave me alone. Don't fool with me. Don't mess around me. Because not only did I make the payment, I have the proof in my pocket. That tomb is empty. Buddha could not pay the price. He's lying in the grave. Muhammad could not pay the price. He's still lying in the grave. But my Lord and my Savior, my Master, 
Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty. He not only paid the price, the tomb is empty. Hallelujah. Ah, let's move on very quickly. Paul validates this resurrection as a real physical event. Because there were those who had this idea ah, that it was a spiritual resurrection, it was a mystical thing, it really never really did happen. So he said, wait, 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 wait. Let's get something straight here. Let's get something straight. So in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15, not only did he raise from the dead according to the scriptures, verse 5 says, and that he was seen by Cephas. No, he wasn't dreaming about it. He saw him. Then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present but some have fallen asleep after that he was seen by James then by all the apostles then last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time please for one moment Think about our contemporary judicial system. One, it was seen of Cephas. Then the twelve. Five hundred brethren all at once. James, the apostles, and then himself. How many witnesses did we have in a controversial case of the state versus George Zimmerman? Zero. How many witnesses do we have in the case of the state of Florida versus Casey Anthony? Zero. And because there were no witnesses, what happened? Freed. If there had been one witness who was there and saw the crime committed, just one. That would have been sufficient to change the outcome of the verdict. Yes. In Jesus' case, he didn't just have one witness. Cephas. He had the 12 making 13. Then on top of that, as if that is not enough, 500 brethren all at once appeared to them. And as far as we know, unlike here in a judicial system, none of the 500 came back to recount their testimony. They did not say, you know, uh, maybe I didn't see it correctly, I made a mistake. No, it didn't happen. How many witnesses will it take? And then James. Then the apostles. And then finally, on the road to Damascus, he appeared to Paul himself. 
Now, as I was studying this, I said to myself, and this is important for us to catch this, would it have been proof positive if Jesus appeared to Pilate? The one who sentenced him. Or perhaps to the son he dreamed. To the chiefs and the elders and the scribes and the Pharisees. The very men who condemned him to death. Perhaps if he had appeared to them. Maybe. Ah, but as I was pondering through that. The Holy Ghost said. No. Because in Luke chapter 16. And I won't have time to go into all the scriptures. You remember the story? Of the rich man and the poor Lazarus. The rich man died and went to the torments of hell. Lazarus, who was poor, died and went to Abraham's bosom. And there was a gulf separating them. And the rich man cried across to Abraham and said, Abraham, oh, please, this torment is too much. Can you send somebody to my brother so they don't come to where I am? Abraham replied, they have the prophets and the word. Let your brothers hear them. Ah, the man said, you don't understand. <laughs> Maybe somebody came from the dead. They will really get the message. And this is the last line that really sealed it. Abraham came back and said, even if one came from the dead, because of their evil eye, they are full of darkness, they will never believe. Now you can appreciate why Jesus did not waste his time to appear to Pilate or to the Pharisees or to the scribes because those guys were so full of evil, it did not matter. And we know that from scriptures. Because in Matthew chapter 28, after he rose from the dead, the guards, out of being bewildered, went back to these elders and said to them, wait a minute, we don't know what's going on, but the tomb is empty. What did they do? They gave them money. Please, when you appear before the governor, just tell the governor his disciples came to steal the body. We will defend you. We will make sure no harm comes to you. Mm. But don't tell the truth. Mm. And the Bible said, that is the message till this day. Yes. How is that relevant to me and you? It's important you get it. Jesus said, if our eyes are evil, our entire body will be full of darkness. In other words, there are some of us, we have already determined that no matter what good news is brought, you will question it. Yes. Yes. If somebody, your friend, bought a new Lexus, you say, ah, but the tires are too small. Yes. <laughs> no matter what happens around you, you find a way to diminish it and to criticize it and to bring some kind of question to it. If that is you on this resurrection Sunday, yes. you need to pray for light. Yes. Such people can never get the revelation of God. Yes. 
Because God knows he'll be wasting his investment. Because those people are already vested in darkness. They'll believe a lie before they believe the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? So, an evil eye can never see light, no matter how bad it is. Resurrection is the hinge upon which the door of salvation swings open. Now, let me get to the meat of this message. Because we've got to go. What is the essence of the resurrection? Why is it so important? Now, talking about these skeptics again, let, let me just go there for one, one, one more minute. Isn't it amazing to, in Matthew 28, when they came to arrest Jesus, that one of the soldiers here was cut off by Peter, and Jesus instantly healed the man. Do you think that should make him think for a minute? Wait a minute. What, what am I about to do? Yes. No, he couldn't see. He couldn't see. To have such a miraculous healing take place on the spot and still go forward to arrest the man. Darkness. Now, let's get to the essence of this message itself. There are three things that Jesus' resurrection brings to our attention that we cannot, we must not discount. Number one, the confirmation of Jesus' claim as God. The confirmation of Jesus' claim as God. Let me just read some scriptures. In this case, I need to read them because I want you to be confirmed in your faith about this resurrection because the door of your redemption hinges upon this more than anything else. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 40, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Okay, let, let me read verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Luke 18. I'm deliberately reading all of this because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The issue of the resurrection should not be a mental ascent, but must be a heart believing. Luke 18, verse 33. Luke 18, verse 33. Verse 32. Verse 32. Ah, verse 31. I'm sorry. 
Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Last one, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 18. John chapter 2, verse 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Why is the resurrection important? It is important because, number one, it is the confirmation of Jesus' claim as God. There is no other one who predicted precisely his own death and his own resurrection. No one, no one ever he said it and I read it to you in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. On different occasions, he prepared his disciples for his pending crucifixion. But at the same time, Letting them know, I'm going to lay my life down. They can't really kill me. I'm going to divest myself, lay it down, and ask God, I'll pick it up again. Not just pick it up again, in three days. Precisely, you can take it to the bank. Three days later, I'm going to be back. What confidence. But I don't want you to miss what he said in John chapter 2. Destroy this temple. Understand the setting. Because he chose that word and chose it carefully. These were a people who idolized their temple. Standing in that temple, they idolized the wonderful, powerful, magnificent edifice called the Temple of Solomon. They idolated it. They took the temple as God. So Jesus said, really, you guys like this temple. I'm going to tell you something. You destroy this temple. And in three days, I will build it back. Oh, guys, wake up this morning. What happens in the temple? Worship. So Jesus was saying to them, in three days, you will no longer have to worship in a building. Because this temple that you're about to destroy, will be destroyed, yes, but in three days, this temple will replace the one in which you are standing, the one in which you idolate, the one in which you have esteemed, because I told the Samantha woman, neither in this mountain or that will you ever have to worship, but worship to God will be by the Spirit. Why? Because I, as the temple of God, will come and do what? Live inside of you. Hallelujah. 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 He is the temple of God.
God. Now, Paul says, not only is Jesus the temple of God, because we are one with him, we have become also the temple. We lived there for another day. So, number one, this is the confirmation that Jesus is God. No angel died and came back. So, for my Jehovah's Witness and my mom and brothers, I am sorry. This dude, Jesus Christ, is not the brother of Archangel Michael. Instead, he created Michael. Michael, Gabriel, and all the host of them are his messengers. Hallelujah! Proof positive. I am God. Because I can lay my life down and pick it up. Number two, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Number two. The resurrection is the validation of his cross. Validation. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. In verse 2. Number one, the resurrection is the confirmation of his claim as God. Number two, it is the validation of his cross. First John 2 verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for us only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation means the satisfaction for God's righteous wrath. It is the means of satisfying the wrath for our sins. The resurrection of Jesus is proof positive that the wrath of God is appeased. It worked. The resurrection is the proof of his conquest. Again, as I said earlier, the crucifixion was payment of the death of sin. But the empty tomb was the receipt showing that the Son of God made perfect payment for our sins. In other words, if God was not satisfied that the sins were paid for in full, he would not have gotten up. The only reason he got up, number one, sin had no hold on him. Number two, he paid the price and it was full and complete. And sin said, you know what? We can hold you. You've got to go. We've got to let you go. Free! And because he lives, you and I can live as well. So number one, it was the confirmation of his claim as God. Number two, it was the validation of his cross. And last and not the least, it is the continuation of his call. The continuation of his call. I'm almost done. In Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, Matthew 1, 21, when the angel visited Mary and Joseph, we are told that the Bible said, his name shall be called Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. And we know that he offered a perfect sacrifice for us. Oh, but I love God this morning. It's awesome. Is that all he did? No, he did more than that. Because Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, now says to us that Jesus 
liveth to make intercession for those who come to him so that he may save us to the utmost. You are a walk in progress. He that has begun a good walk in you, he will finish it. He will perfect everything that concerns you. Why? He saved you at Calvary. And he's saving you as we speak. Why? He's praying that everything the Father has ever planned concerning your life will not be aborted, will not be frustrated, will not be stopped, but that it will come to pass. And if there's one person that I want to pray for me, a prayer that can never fail, it is Jesus, the Son of God, my Lord God. God is praying for you. His resurrection, confirmation of his claim. His resurrection, validation of his cross. His resurrection, continuation of his call. So then we must ask this question as we close. If Jesus rose from the dead and thus giving me the victory and has all authority, why then am I still struggling from time to time? That's a legitimate question. But let me answer that question for you. And then we're going to be on our way home. <laughs> I'll answer it by telling you a story first. I read the story of this Amazon missionary. Just moved to the Amazon jungle. True story as a missionary. Build them their little heart in the midst of the jungle. Getting settled among the people. Waiting for the day that they finally be able to share the gospel. One afternoon, as they sat at their table to begin to break bread, here comes through the door this huge, gigantic, uninvited guest called a serpent snake. Crawled through that door. Their God in heaven, missionary and wife and children, Bang! Went through the back door and picked race. And started shouting in the village to their neighbors. Snake, snake, snake! The Amazon neighbor, who was already very familiar with his frequent visits by snakes, just went to his hut, picked up a machete, followed the missionary back to their hut, and cut off the head of the snake. And I came back and announced to the missionary, the snake is dead. I've cut the head off. But you must know something. Don't go in yet. Because even though I've cut off the head, it will take at least two hours for the body to get the message. The body of the snake violently in that room, destroying everything in its parts, knocking off lamps, Knocking of things on the floor. Knocking of things in his way. Two hours of intense struggle. Why? Even though the snake was dead, their body had not gotten the message yet. We say, preacher, what are you saying to me? I'm saying to you in Genesis chapter 3. 
in verse 15, God gave us a prophetic word. He said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of Satan and that the heel of the son of man will be bruised. Oh my God. And then you pick that up in the book of Revelation in chapter 12 in verse 9. The Bible says, God has cast out that old dragon, the serpent, and the devil, and Satan. They have been cast out at Calvary. Jesus, the Son of God, bruised his head. Cut the head off. But the body of Satan has not gotten the message yet. So he's fighting you and struggling with you and making a lot of noise, making a lot of commotion. What you need to be saying, that's why I had to correct that scripture this morning. You need to be saying to your trouble, trouble, I have overcome you. Trouble, I am overcomer. Trouble, I have victory. Trouble, your head has been cut off. Trouble, I don't care what you're saying. Trouble, I have read the end of the book. Trouble, I know the conclusion. Trouble, victory is in my pocket. Trouble, greater is he that is in me. That's he that's in the world. Trouble, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. When you try to hold him down, the same spirit is at work in me. You cannot hold me down. You may try. You may try to hinder me. Trouble, I'm on my way. Trouble, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You say it long enough, trouble will get the message. Yes. Just like that serpent whose head was cut off yes, finally came to a place when it could no longer function. Yes, sir. Our adversary as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may do with the That's all it does. Yes, sir. Harassment Intimidation. Noise making. Why? He's making noise. He's harassing you. He's intimidating you to compensate for what he lacks. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me. Where? In heaven and on earth. Don't believe a lie. The tomb is empty. That is proof positive that the price is paid and the work is done. And that's what distinguishes this faith from any other faith on the face of this earth. Paid in full. And so Father, in the name of your son Jesus, peradventure there is one man or one woman here this afternoon who has not come to this revelation, to this understanding that you pay the price in full for our sins. If there's anyone here, God, who needs to be a part of your kingdom that has not already done so, this is a beautiful day.
to make that commitment. This is a day that we celebrate the birth of the new creation. And so, Father God, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit will open the eyes of the understanding and bring light and bring revelation and give them the courage to take that decision. To believe on the name of the only Son of God. And so, Father, we thank you for it. And we bless you now. And Lord, for the rest of us, we may be in one struggle or the other. Who needs encouragement, support? Who needs a word? Who needs a miracle? Jesus, this is the reason for which you went to the grave and came back alive. So that for the rest of us, there may be hope, there is life. And so, Lord, I pray, whatever that need is right now, I release your word. I send forth the word of God. I send the word forth right now in your direction, your place, in the name of Jesus. And the angels of God that hearken to the voice of the word of God to bring your deliverance and your answer in the name of Jesus. We receive answers. We receive solutions. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for healings that's taking place in your body right now in the name of Jesus. We speak your healing word right now to Peter's body, to Stella's body, to Dr. Nkoyo's, uh, Dr. Onofrek's body. In the name of Jesus, we send forth the word of God with the resurrection power of the living God. In the name of Jesus, we stand in their behalf. We receive the healing for them. And God, we thank you for chains that have been broken. Shackles that have been loosed. Bandages that have been set free. In the name of Jesus, you came to set the captives free. We receive freedom and liberty for every man, every woman, in every situation. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. For the manifestation of who you are. We receive your power at work in us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you forevermore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.